In this episode of Midlife AF, you will meet my friend and fellow grey area drinking coach, Faye Lawrence. She is the founder of Untoxicated, which is a social group for people who want to go to events with other people who are not drinking. It's a huge organisation that she's created and a really beautiful safe space for people to meet wherever they are on their journey with alcohol. Both Faye and I have been recently diagnosed with ADHD and in this episode we talk about that experience in detail and what it's felt like and what it's meant to us at these fairly early stages for us of adjusting to the diagnosis. We talk about our experiences with the health system and we talk about what's good and what's bad for us about having been diagnosed, what to do if you think you might be ADHD, and we also have a bit of a giggle and we get very distracted. (laughs) There's one section in the middle of it where Faye's phone goes off and the sound quality is not that great, so please bear with us with that. Faye is a spectacular person and she's a great advocate for alcohol-free living. She's on the path to being the same for being an ADHD person. She's also a psych graduate who's studying counselling and she's got a brilliant TED talk on the importance of fun, socialising and connection on this journey. There are so many women out there who identify with the symptoms of ADHD and as we get to midlife, those symptoms become exacerbated. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Take it away, Emma and Beth. If you're a woman in midlife whose intuition is telling you that giving booze the elbow might be the next right move, then Midlife AF is the podcast for you. Join counsellor, psychotherapist, this naked mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach Emma Gilmore for a weekly natter about parenting quirky teens, menopause, relationships and navigating this thing called midlife alcohol free. If you're feeling that life could be so much more, that you're sick and tired of doing all the things for everyone else, if your intuition is waving her arms manically at you saying, it could all be so much easier if we didn't have to keep drinking, come with me. Together we'll find our groove without booze. Here to Hello. talk about our experience. I'll get Faye to introduce herself. She's an amazing person. She's got a TED talk. I stalked her for years and then she eventually gave in and became my friend. <laughs> and here we are. The crazy Congo guy. <laughs> <We're here. laughs> hey! Hi, Hey, Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Off you go, my friend. You need to introduce yourself now. Oh, I'm introducing myself. Sorry. Yeah, so I'm Faye Lawrence. I am the founder of Untoxicated, which is an alcohol-free social community. I started that when I stopped drinking five years ago, or coming up five years this year, because I realised there was a serious lack of things to do for people that didn't involve alcohol in terms of socially and I also graduated a psych degree a month after getting sober and I'm now studying post-grad counselling and I'm a grey area drinking coach as well. I think that's everything isn't it? Oh and I've just yep. been diagnosed with ADHD. <laughs> so Faye and I have known each other for a little while. We did our grey area drinking coaching together and then funnily enough we have become friends and we've been exchanging our experience of life as you do and there's been a lot of commonalities <laughs> between us yeah and we'd be on a coaching session or a coaching call in the gray area drinking i'd text bay afterwards and go was i too much does the person who's leading the call hate me <laughs> yeah and all this stuff and they'd be like well it was true we were the worst <laughs> <laughs> how many were there six yeah because we kept butting in yeah yeah which is an ADHD thing isn't it so yes yes flattering, flattering absolutely and um, I know for me certainly when I found this since beginning of doing all this stuff on zoom is if, if I'm in a group I really struggle 
if oh, I can't yeah. go first. Like I need oh. to go first. That's one of the main things why of the many, but it's one of the most things that I realised that not other people did. And I always thought it was down to growing up in a big family, yeah. which is that inability not to butt in. Yes. And like finish people's sentences for them and like jump in because if I don't jump in straight away, the thought's going to be gone. Yeah, totally, totally. A hundred percent. And I have to write it down and then I'll be twitching away in the corner thinking I'm not going to know what I'm talking about in a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But and people so find it rude. People find it rude. And they, you know, and they're like, stop and let, let me finish. And I, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting because my eldest child because both my kids, have, this is how I found out that I was ADHD because both my kids got diagnosed relatively recently. I think this is really common with people who are assigned female at birth is that they don't often get picked up as being ADHD until they're a much older. And the same with autism as well. Female assigned at birth kids tend to mask a lot better and they don't tend to draw as much attention to themselves and I think for a long time ADHD was perceived to be a boy's condition whereas now we know yeah yeah and perceived to be something that you grow out of in childhood at the end of childhood so adults aren't generally you know and it's so interesting Emma because I've worked in the disability space for quite some time in in other work that I do the marketing and communications and corporate affairs stuff and you know I'm quite well versed in autism and neurodivergence and yet here I am 49 tomorrow not realizing I'm actually neurodivergent yeah and I'm quite the more severe end as well so yeah it's so funny how like something that's right in front of your face <laughs> and you think, you know, cause I worked in early intervention for autism and, you know, I've done a lot with the autism community and I'm not saying that it's the same ADHD and autism. It's not, it's quite different, but there are overlaps and yeah, you can't see the wood for the tree sometimes. Nice. So nice. interesting. Thank you, Emma. That's kind. Aww. And for me as well, cause I'm a bit of a shit friend. <laughs> Happy birthday for tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks, um. Don't worry, I forgot yours as well. You'll get a memory come up like Saturday. Oh, I know. It was a birthday on Thursday. That's right, yeah. that's right. And Faye and I were just laughing and talking about how in midlife, and I'm sure so many women feel this way, this we've got so much stuff going on. We've got our hormones with perimenopause. Potentially, I mean, so many women find that the perimenopause symptoms exacerbate what may yeah. be an underlying ADHD situation anyway because the brain fog, you know, so many of the things that come along with perimenopause are quite similar to some of the things the that fatigue, the forgetfulness, the fatigue, the forgetfulness, like you say, Emma, the brain fog, you know, all of these sorts of things are definitely more pronounced when the estrogen's essentially draining from your body. And as we were saying, Russell Barkley, who's kind of one of the experts in the space, he talks about there's quite a distinct link between female hormones and ADHD, the symptoms. So he was talking about how it's much more pronounced in adolescence, for example, for girls, yeah. and then again, menopause time. So yeah. it's interesting that, you know, you and I have both been diagnosed, which is sort of a, I think it's a kind of fork in the road with sobriety, with perimenopause, and there was something else that I forgot. Doesn't matter. Faye and I decided at the beginning of this that we're owning the brain fog. So it just is what it is. So just expect this as we go through. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. <laughs> shockers. Absolute shockers. So, yeah, no, I think it's that, that sort of 
time in your life where you know i think especially once you've taken sobriety out of the picture because i did suspect that i might be before i was sober and i actually went to a psychiatrist back in 2014 and he said to me after about 20 minutes 25 minutes because i've got quite a lot of trauma in my history he basically was like dismiss me go off and read the untethered <laughs> by Michael Singer which is a very good book right that really set me back because yeah. he didn't take me seriously and I thought you know oh well I'm just neurotic then and so that's eight years that I feel essentially you know wasted really in that I could have been making strides knowing what I was dealing with and it's hard not to feel you know because I've fairly recently been diagnosed so I'm yeah. still in the aftermath of you know finding out and it's hard not to feel angry about that particularly yeah. as we went down the path of addiction and what we know is that there's a very strong link with all forms of addiction my psych who's an ADHD specialist said the four main ones that he sees is alcohol and drugs gaming sex and gambling yeah and he actually said when i asked him why he got into adhd in particular he said it's because he would previously worked in prisons and then in rehabs yeah. And he could see how much undiagnosed ADHD was there. And he said in rehabs, probably between 60 to 70% of patients. So, you know, this is what angers me, is that had I been diagnosed or had this been mooted a long time ago when I was proactively trying to seek a diagnosis and you know I've had a lot of dealings with mental health professionals over the years in therapy and all of that and it's just never been suggested yeah. could the addiction possibly have you know not gone down the path that it went that's the thing that really you know angers me to be honest yeah. and so that's why I want to speak openly about it because I don't you know I would hope to let other people know about this because yeah. so they you know they can kind of pull up stumps that it's not them it's the lack of yeah. dopamine in your brain yes you know yeah and I think that for me is the biggest change is that knowing like all my life I was always like the disorganized one you know the person whose head was in the clouds the person who couldn't focus couldn't sit down and do her homework couldn't do you know and was always you know getting into trouble for doing impulsive things and i remember my mum saying to me emma emma why do you do these things and i'd be like i don't know mom i don't know but i thought there was something like you know wrong with me that i was broken yeah. and yeah. now i'm like well this is interesting now it's not about being broken because I'm, you know, both my kids are the same. They've both been diagnosed with ADHD and subsequently with autism. But it's once I was going through the testing with them, I was like, Jesus, it's so freaking obvious. <laughs> I was going through a whole yeah. I was like, oh my God, yeah. this is totally my experience. And yet we didn't know. We didn't know. No. And for anyone who's like watching this that doesn't know much about ADHD, and I'm still learning myself, and I'm certainly not an expert or a medical professional, yeah. but your brain actually, when they do MRIs on your brain, your brain is different. So the makeup of the brain is different. Different parts of the brain fire up. So it affects your prefrontal cortex, and that's your executive functioning and that's things like memory, organisation, sort of doing things methodically, being able to self-regulate or emotionally regulate, so that impulsivity, yeah. you know, these are all the things that are impacted. And you go through your life, I think, thinking that it's a personal failing. Why can't I get my shit together like everyone else? Why can't I yeah. adult like everyone else? How come yeah. everyone else manages to do all this stuff and I can't? Why is this so exhausting for me to say, yeah. for example, to work full time and other people can do that and they've got hobbies and they've got, you know, all these other yeah. things and exercise and everything that they do and I'm finding just going to work is like that's enough why do I have these sensory things for example that really impact me so you know one of the things for me was like if I was ever in a food court it was like hell on earth because yeah. it's just there's too much happening 
yeah. you know and then noise is one that i know now in sobriety that's like something that's it's just like i can't i find it hard to tolerate so to yeah. be able to work in an open plan office i have to have headphones on yeah i realized that some time ago i just didn't realize it was the adhd that was causing that i didn't understand yeah. why other people were able to tune it out and i couldn't yeah and the procrastination i mean yeah. i remember googling like why can't i do you know make myself do and studying stats as part of psych was no, just like hell on earth know. you know because like you're trying to force your brain and it just yeah, yeah. so i think you spend a lot of time you know berating yourself yeah for being lazy or being not as motivated or being you know um late uh, <laughs> for being hilarious <laughs> yeah for being brilliant <laughs> you know i don't want to talk about negative but no. i suppose it's like if anyone's listening is feeling this way then you know it could be worth exploring if there's something else going on yeah definitely yeah I just don't that's know. Sort of adult. you and i had quite a different experience didn't we of our diagnosis in fact it was almost polar opposite of you know how they went about it and i think that's worth talking about because everybody it's such a minefield trying to work out what to do and where to go and da, 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 da. do you want to talk a little bit about yours how yours went i'm gonna get angry again that's okay quick to anger that's We're another frustration to deal with frustration yeah look so as i say went in 2014 and then again this year i was like nah something's not right and i was reading actually jenny valentish's book a woman of substances which is brilliant yeah and in it she's talking because i was doing a writing class with her and in it she talks about getting an adhd diagnosis herself and she was talking about all the research and I was like, that's me. That is me. She, you know, she was talking about all the things and the link with addiction. And I was like, wow, I don't think I've heard this before about the addiction link or I just haven't paid attention. And yeah. it just all dropped into place. So I went to the GP. I had a nightmare trying to get an appointment with a psychiatrist. That went on back and forth for months couldn't get in didn't yeah. even get an appointment and i was just because what they do they've got such long waiting lists with psychiatrists six to twelve months yeah it sits with them while they decide whether they can take you on because their loads are so heavy so they want to look at your file look at the referral and then go yes i'll take you on as a patient or no i won't and eventually i found out through some adhd facebook groups that there was someone down here on the gold coast who's a clinical psych that does assessments but they can't psychologists can't prescribe so a psychiatrist is coming from the medical paradigm predominantly and they'll prescribe drugs they can prescribe drugs because they're ultimately gps with a psychiatry on top whereas a psychologist can't a clinical psychologist can't so but they can diagnose so my assessment went for i went for two sessions to rule out other things because there's a lot of other things that can present similarly to adhd such as depression anxiety addiction autism bipolar trauma you know there's a number of things so they have to essentially through a process of elimination rule that out and then on the third session i went through like a barrage of testing so some of those were like an online called the tova test where they test your response time and yes. another one was a load of questionnaires and things like that and then what he does is he takes the data away and looks at it all together and compiles a report so i went back for the fourth session and he said you know it's 50 50 before you go forward for testing especially with my history and that's when i got the diagnosis moderate to severe both inattentive and hyperactive and I was just, honestly, I was quite shocked. Yeah. yeah. I was like, why well, burst into tears? Yeah. Because it was validating, but also it was like, yeah, it was just, I suppose I wasn't expecting that I was as bad as that yeah. if I was. He was basically saying, look, it's, you know, quite surprised you even managed to complete a degree. Yeah, that you functioned as well as you have. So, you know, 
that was the experience and now I'm doing coaching, but now I've got to go through the rigmarole again to get medication. So I've had to go and get another referral. I'm now waiting to see a psychiatrist or see whether they'll take me on so I can get medicated. Mm. So it's really somewhat frustrating because now you know you've got the diagnosis and you can't get the medication. So imagine being told that you've got diabetes or you've got, you know, heart disease or something and, oh, tough you've got to wait another six to 12 months before you can get the medication for it you know it feels quite unjust to me after I suppose waiting so long to get a diagnosis and then now it's like there's a dangling and you know you've got to jump through hoops to go the next step so yeah that was my experience how about you yeah well mine was a lot easier I'm not necessarily saying it was better because I reckon the amount of detail that you have as part of your diagnosis is much more in depth than what I got. But I was very fortunate in that I was talking about it with somebody and they recommended I looked on the ADHD. I was trying to look it up on my foundation website because and they've got like the latest places with the shortest amount of waiting time so i went on there they recommended this place in sydney which is just does online diagnosis i think it's called docatella something like that and it is it's psychiatrists and i had to do a whole load of testing beforehand and then i saw the psychiatrist and they were like yes you have ADHD, (laughs) both types. And then they sent my GP prescription and then my GP prescribed me since and I've been being monitored for that. So I've been on the medication and I'm finding, because I've been doing this launch in the lead up to it, I'm finding I have been able to focus in a way that I wasn't able to focus before. I would definitely say... Whereas like you, when I was at uni doing my counselling stuff, Jesus Christ, every yeah. <laughs> yeah. every unit was like pulling teeth. Not because I yeah. didn't want to do it. Like I loved learning about it, but just the idea of sitting down and writing yeah. an essay and reading a textbook. I had to find so many tools to help me do that external to myself. It was incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, so, and that's the thing that you actually like. And that's one of the things that the site yeah. said to me that, you know, ADHD brains have two modes, boring or not boring. And if yes. it's boring, forget it. Yeah. You literally can't. You know, I was working from home consulting before COVID and I used to think, why do I have this struggle with myself? Like it would be three o'clock the night before and I'd be like on a client project and just going like, why do I do this? And once I got into it, I was fine. But it was the thought of sitting down and doing it. You've got a question there from one of the smug ladies. How's life changed since the meds? Well, I haven't been on them for very long. This is probably my, I'm still, I think in my first month, maybe a little bit longer. And like I said, it's the focus more than anything. I'm able to focus. That's what I've noticed more than anything else. And I actually feel a bit calmer, but it's like faces. It's difficult to tell though, because I've also just started my HRT med. So I'm like a rattling pillbox. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know which one and what's another. So it's difficult to tell, but I'm definitely feeling calmer, less tired and more focused because although I was laughing with Faye, because when I did my masterclass on Monday, I literally finished the presentation about half an hour before I went on and it was like, oh my God, I knew that I should be not, I shouldn't be leaving it to the last minute, but there's something about me that just can't help it, you know? Yeah, it's kind. 100%. Well, you need that time pressure to be able to perform. And that's one of the good things is that your ability to wing it is second to none. My ability to wing it and to be thrown in at the deep end and perform is really strong. So it's not all negative. There's a lot of positives as well. But, you know, I think in the coming to terms with it process, I think, you know, it's it's interesting because, like I say, I worked in the autism community before. I'd done quite a lot of 
work in that space and disability and you know me I'm all about reducing stigma with the addiction stuff as well yeah. and breaking down barriers and talking openly but then when you find that you've got a disability yes. or a neurodivergence and you're yes. like oh wow it takes you back a bit it's sort of oh it's fine when it's other people <laughs> yeah yeah but now it's me and and yeah, it's, isn't there that it's sort of like things could be so much more different. That's really bad English, but you know what I mean. Things could be so different if we yeah. had more knowledge about it. If there was less stigma about it. I mean, the concept that people have of people with ADHD is very different, I think, than the reality for most people. And often it can be coupled with such crippling anxiety. I think that was the thing for me when I was younger was like yes I'd have all this drive and stuff but then my anxiety would just completely cripple me so that I yeah. couldn't, you know I couldn't speak or I'd just feel so awful about myself be questioning myself all the time and those sort of two things together which come very often both my kids are ADHD they both have anxiety and it presents in different ways but it's a blessing and a curse but I think the more that we and people yeah. like us can talk about it and the more common it becomes for people to investigate it, the more that, you know, schools start to sort of educate using, you know, being aware of, you know, different approaches to education and same with, you know, workplaces and everything. I think it's just another one of those things that needs to get more mass so that we can accommodate each other for being different, you know? Yeah, it's interesting to me. Two things there that are interesting to me. Um, sorry, someone's just trying to phone me. Um, one thing is how, you know, autism is really much more accepted these days, but yet ADHD isn't. Yeah, right. So, you know, even sort of, as you know, speaking about this, I was like, oh, I've been trying to speak about addiction, but I'm not sure I want to speak about this because I feel like this is probably coming out about this, so to speak, is more feels like more of a career impediment in other work that I do than the addiction stuff. Yeah, right. So that's interesting to me. But the other thing is, I think as well, Emma, is like the fact that it's not detected is a bit like with drinking. Yeah. Because if you're high functioning, you know, what's going on on the surface is like, yeah, I'm holding it all together, but at what cost behind the scenes? And that's what leads to the burnout, as we know. Yeah. And that's another thing where I've always felt like, why can't I do what other people can do? Why can't yeah. I hold down a job in the same way other people can do? Why do I leave after 12 months? Yeah. And, you know, why do I need time between contracts? Because I'm constantly, I find working, you know, really draining and I burn myself out. And, yeah, yeah. the addiction side is in with that because, you know, I remember as well one time, the first time I got really, really drunk, I was about 13, mm. and I distinctly remember, and now obviously I, I know this was the ADHD, it switched this off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I had that calm that I'm hoping the meds are going to do for me, but it switched yes. this off. Yes. And, and I, I think now that that's the ADHD. Yeah. And it's so interesting. I think that is one of the main reasons that women come to me, and I'm sure for you as well, because they run a coaching business too, that that is one of the main reasons that when women say, if I say, why do you drink? They're like, to stop this noise in my head yeah. so that I can yeah. stop and sit down and not have that constant chatter and constant to-do list and constant just... Ugh, all the time you know yeah and I think that I was reading earlier today something that was put out by a professor in addiction and it was saying that people with ADHD I think it's about 60% of people with ADHD have a problematic alcohol relationship with alcohol yeah yeah and so if you're undiagnosed yeah you know, that's going to be happening and you don't know that actually that's happening through essentially no fault of your own, through a lack of baseline neurotransmitters that everybody yeah. else has. Yeah. That we don't have. 
Yeah, it's helped in that way in that I yes. feel like, you know, that kind of, that wasn't my fault. There's less feeling of, I suppose, shame around the addiction. But yeah. I'm still angry about the fact that this could have been picked up a lot earlier and possibly prevented that. And I think people need to know about it for that reason. Definitely, definitely. And I think that we'll find more and more women getting diagnosed i think it is becoming you know quite prevalent now that women are recognizing that some of the things that they've been yeah go on yeah how yeah. many women in the same place yeah right when and... i did my post about being diagnosed i had all yeah. these people contacting me women saying i think i've got it yeah 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 i think neurodivergence is much more widespread than we've just all been conditioned that we you know to try and fit into this kind of then i don't know right the right word for it but you know the normal, normal yeah normal kind of way of normal. being and we've all been masking and trying to behave like that and thinking that there's something wrong with us you know yeah yeah, yeah. and i think the other thing as well you know that has been a relief is i felt like i wasn't somehow doing sobriety properly it sometimes yes yes um everyone else was sort of oh god is someone trying to call me what's going on my phone's beeping sorry <laughs> i don't know if you can hear that yes i can like, yes i can everyone was saying it's not buzzing up so i can't i can't decline it sorry i felt like everyone else was saying you know oh i've been sober now for a year and i've got like a you know i get up early in the morning and I've got my morning routine and I go running and I, you know, and I do all this stuff and I quiet my mind. And I was like, I do yoga, I do meditation, I do this, I do that. And yet I'm still constantly on edge and my mind yeah. is constantly yeah. like a pinball machine and I can't do routine. I'm going to do morning routines and I struggle to get out of bed in the morning and all of these things, which now I know is the ADHD and I couldn't understand how you know, running intoxicated. At one point, we had the support group there. We had like 3,000 people in it, and people were talking about, you know, all these amazing things. And while I was definitely noticing like a huge amount of benefits of being sober, all these things were eluding me. And I was like, but I don't understand why I'm still as knackered as ever. Yeah. And I you know all of this stuff, and now I know why. Yeah, totally, totally. And I apologize because I pressed something and now I'm sparkling. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> it's like a metaphor, isn't it? <laughs> and I was supposed to wash my hair, but I got chit-chatting to someone who's come to do the cleaning. You look lovely. You look beautiful. You look beautiful. <laughs> I was fascinated, Faye, and I think it's a really useful conversation and the more we can keep having it, and I can see that Loz, ah, oh, it's Loz, said me too. So she's obviously oh, going through something Loz. similar. Yeah. 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 And interestingly, I find a lot of kind of women entrepreneurs as well seem to be in that ADHD space. I think when you, you know, quite often you find you don't quite fit the mould. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely had that experience myself. Like, I loved working in corporate for years. I loved it so much, so passionate about it. But, you know, I had two instances where I had a toxic boss and I couldn't quite fit the mould of what I think I was supposed to be. And I didn't really understand why or how to fit the mould. And so... I just didn't. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a knowing, isn't there, that you're somehow different from other people, but you're not quite sure why. And I always yeah. knew that I was kind of a bit kooky. But I think maybe this is why, you know, with Untoxicated and everything and why I've been so fervent around the belonging piece, yes. that yes. everyone should have somewhere to belong because... Yes. I think you feel when you've got ADHD that you don't quite fit. Yes. You don't quite belong and you're sort yes. of always on the periphery somehow. Yeah. And even though, like, I've always had lots of friends and that hasn't yes. been an issue, yes. still that thing of, like, somehow I don't quite 
you know, I'm always sort of slightly on the outer, and maybe that's yes. why I, I thought on reflection I'm so passionate about making people feel like they belong. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And you have done that. You have done that. And I think community, like you say, is so important in this journey. And you were saying, are you part of an ADHD group as well? Is that? I was just trying to see if I can get the sparkles as well. I mean, I don't, oh. I feel it's unfair. I feel it's unfair. It's, oh, no, I put a filter on. I, it I'll take is, because I, I like it. I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. Oh, Jesus. I don't We've know what I've done. We've got distracted. Come back. Am I an ADHD group? Yes. So it's actually quite similar to early sobriety in that I'm obsessed with learning about it. I'm in the communities. I'm absorbing everything I can. I'm attributing everything to my ADHD. <laughs> Nothing's my fault. It's all yes. the ADHD. I'm looking retrospectively over my life and going, oh, all this makes sense or, oh, that's annoying. I mean, one thing it's important, I think, to let people know is the heritability. My psych said it's about 80%. Yes. So yes. what that means is if you do think you might possibly have ADHD, then look around you to your parents and your children if you have them because there's likelihood that it's in the family. And, you know, when we're in a family unit, we know what we know because we're all take yeah. that as normal. But he said to me, you know, it's pretty likely at least one of your kids will have it. And I think my mum's got it as well. Yeah, for sure. I was saying to Faye earlier, it's interesting because you don't realise it's like with my little one, she's been just diagnosed with ADHD and autism. And now in retrospect, I'm like, of course she is. But at the time, you're just doing your do aren't you and you're in your yeah. in deep and you just your normal's your normal right that's how you yeah. operate in your family system it's like you know that's like we were saying it's kind of like how your parents have behaved like I'm sure my dad was ADHD as well very similar things to me he was always you know getting into trouble when he was younger and impulsive and that kind of stuff and you know forgetful and a bit scattered and you know but it just wasn't a thing you know, it wasn't known. Same thing. No. And my, my, lost jobs. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, my yeah. mum's always been, you know, quite a, you know, offbeat type of character. Yeah. And she's quite forgetful. And my kids were saying to me, like, I'm pretty sure you've got early onset Alzheimer's, one of my kids yeah. in particular. And... You know, I think, you know, apparently there's quite a similarity between ADHD and Parkinson's. Yeah, right. Okay, that's interesting. In terms of, yeah, the impact with the lack of those particular neurotransmitters and so how it impacts your life in terms of forgetfulness, the executive functioning. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I can so, see that in my kids too. Yeah. So what I did when I thought that I had ADHD was I wrote a massive list of all the things that I thought mm. possibly were, you know, maybe a little bit different to other people. Yes. And I took that to the practitioner. Yes. Yes. And funny enough, that's what I needed to do with my GP because actually I, I missed that step out in mind. I had to go to the GP to be referred first of all to that place that I said in Sydney. And that was actually quite a battle. You know, it was almost like she didn't want me to be, but I was very like, glad that I'd prepared a list beforehand of all the different things. And eventually she was like, oh, okay. And that's what I'd urge people to do is because yeah. there's still a lot of lack of knowledge and there's still, even in the medical profession, and I think that, you know, you kind of really have to self-advocate. And because yeah. I'd already been had that experience with the psychiatrist who basically had sort of shooed me away, I didn't want to do that again. So I was like, no, I need to kind of be prepared myself. Because the other thing is, unless I prepared a list, I'd forget. Yeah. So when they That's asked the me, thing. what are the symptoms, I wouldn't be able to remember. No, I and the doctors don't like you emailing afterwards, do they? I forgot this and another thing, you know, they don't like that. <laughs> so, you know, I prepared the list and then I felt like, okay, I've got, you know, the download of what I'm dealing with. And then I just added to it as I thought of more things. 
And, you know, one of the things I've got here is Fruggled Food Shop. Yeah. Oh, my God. Cooking, eat, you know, any of that stuff. When the kids were little, like, the thought of being able to put together a meal plan and actually do all the steps yeah. is completely overwhelming to me. Yeah, 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 I hear Yeah, you. put me in a crisis where I need to get shit done and make things yeah. happen and problem solve. Because of the heightened intensity, yeah. no problem. Yeah. I'm the same, that's why I have to listen to podcasts if I'm ever doing anything boring that I hate because it's the only way I can actually get some shit done. Yeah. <laughs> the food food prep. Prep. <laughs> the thought of like actually having to think of the recipes or source the recipes, yeah. write the list, get every single bit, yeah. Go to the shop and get every single thing with no missing ingredients, come back and then cook the things and then oh no, I just oh my god. Way too much. I hear you. I hear you. Um, I'm just saying with washing up, stuck in the dishwasher, any of that stuff is just like oh need all sorts of yeah. cooking tools to manage <laughs> to manage that. Huge. Huge amount. So I'm doing coaching at the moment, which is, you know, but he's so flat out, I can only get in once a month. And that is give strategies and things like that to be able to better yeah. manage. Yeah. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because I've found strategies as I've got older that I can use through trial and error. But the idea mm. of teaching them to my children is just so painful to me. And I feel really embarrassed by that. It's like, the idea of having to try and teach my children how to do something that I find really fucking hard is just yeah. overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I've even found, as, like, as you know, with the coaching, this is why I don't put a lot of content out, is because I just can't, it gets too much for me to think yeah. about, oh, God, what am I going to write about? And what am I going to, you know, and then, yeah. yeah. I can't, I'm not tickled with the detail as, as is pretty prominent with this <laughs> disorder. So what strategies have you found to be the most, oh, shit, we've been going on for 45 minutes. Yeah, that's okay. Oh, I'm so glad you feel seen. That's so lovely. Oh, that's fantastic. Just silly things like always having my stuff in one bag, like always having that bag ready to go with all my stuff in otherwise everything just falls apart and I lose everything like I said listening to stuff when I'm doing boring things I hate like the housework something that I find interesting so that I can do it without kind of really knowing I'm doing it <laughs> find that really helpful for study I have to use something called focus mate which is where you co-work online oh, yeah. that's the only way that I will sit in my seat and do the work if I've got somebody yeah, else there with me. Otherwise, I'm just yeah. in the fridge. I'm just making popcorn. I'm doing yeah. my, and my Instagram is the best it's ever been. I always say to Faye, you can tell when I'm supposed to be doing something else because my Instagram will become phenomenal. <laughs> I know. I've got to do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. Unless there's a deadline, forget it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. And even content, creating content for me now, I have to actually go and hire somewhere to be because if I'm left to my own devices at home, it's not happening. Not happening yeah. Not yeah. So there's all these workarounds. And what about for you? Because I'm not medicated yet. What about for you in terms of quietening the mind? Have you found anything successful for that sort of sense of calm or... For me, it's so much what we learned in our grey area drinking coaching too. It's all the vagus nerve. It's all the yeah. polyvagal. And for me, yeah. it's physical stuff. It's going through the body. It's going for a swim in the ocean. It's having a walk. And I know you like that too. Physical things, moving my body and going to my nervous system through my body, not through any kind of cognitive discussion yeah yeah no i agree with that because i think with anything that's sort of intellectual it can just sort of go round and round and round and round and round whereas yeah. you need to get out 
you need to get out. But I think not drinking has been a huge help in being able to create some distance between the thought and the action. So I'm a lot less impulsive than I used to be, for example. You know, I am still reactive and I get frustrated really quickly and I, I find things intolerable that other people just accept you know as part of work life or part of relationships or whatever and it's the biggest inconvenience in the world (laughs) yeah but I being able to have space with taking alcohol out of the piece is massively helpful in being able to deal with this I agree and I also think that sometimes we have used alcohol so we can put up with shit and when you take alcohol out of the equation you can't put up with shit that doesn't sit well with you and I think it's a journey into that now it's like okay so I'm honoring myself by not letting shit that I don't think is acceptable yeah I'm not putting up with it anymore (laughs) I'm too precious to myself right yeah and I think also and this is the sort of the piece that I'm on at the moment is around this which is what I did with the alcohol, and this is what yeah. I'm sort of starting to do now with the ADHD. Is like, okay, it is what it is. Yeah, this is who you are. How do we own this? Yes, and you know, just really fully kind of embrace what is, and part of that embracing and accepting is like, yep, some of this is shit. Yeah, and some of it's good because I don't believe in you know, this sort of toxic positivity. And I think also like knowing that, okay, for example, if I do a job, it needs to be a contract where I'm going to have downtime afterwards, or maybe something else is going to be better for me. Maybe working full time is just maybe it's better to take a 20% hit in terms of income and you know like so I'm not sure what that looks like yet but just knowing that this is the way I'm wired yes I'm going to be able to put some strategies in place and meds and all of that but ultimately I've got to work with what I've got yeah yeah and how can I best do that now that's the next bit yes And it's been interesting with me and with my partner. I've been having discussions because my spatial awareness is, like, really bad. And that is apparently a part of ADHD. It's quite a common part of ADHD. And he used to get really angry with me about it, be like, oh, my God, why do you keep, like, bumping into things? Why do you keep not being able to park the car properly? But all those bruises weren't just the bruise after all. I know, right? It's actually that my spatial awareness is really you know yeah and it's like well actually this is part of me now so you can't really tell me off people can't really sort of it's a little bit like you can kind of stand up and say well actually it's not really yeah for you to like give me a hard time about this anymore because actually i'm genuinely doing the best i can and it's not yeah it's not that i'm just being a you know clumsy or forgetful it's that you know i genuinely have an issue with my spatial awareness it's what it is you know (laughs) i think that's actually quite validating that pace yeah, You know, I feel that now, like, I'm not doing this on purpose. It's not yeah. because I'm lazy. It's not yeah. because I'm, you know, a sort of failure as a human being. It's just, right. you know, any more than someone who's possibly got a physical disability, yeah. if you want to class it with a disability or not, that they can't, might not be able to have the use of a limb or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. So it's like, okay, well this is what it is it's not my fault and i've just got to try and do the best i can and other people you know might need to make a few allowances along the way yes. yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and it's yeah frustrating but also i reckon there are some positives about it as well i definitely think that we will learn and amalgamate it into our personalities and feel We'll get to a place like we do with drinking where we feel like it's cool and it's fine. I think so. I mean, I've always quite liked being a little bit quirky. (laughs) And I'm already thinking about becoming an ADHD and alcohol coach. Oh, my goodness. Um, How good would that be? Already been looking into the ADHD coaching that my psych recommended that he because he did it. So, you know, I don't know where this will all end up. But it's, yeah. 
I think exactly what you say. You'll end up kind of, you know, bringing that in as part of your identity and yeah. running with the strengths, running with the positives and making allowances for the, the areas that you're not as strong, like you said, outsourcing stuff or just accepting yeah. or yeah. pivoting. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what we do, isn't it, on this journey that we're on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, really, hats off to us, this is what my psych said, that we've, you know, managed to do everything that we've managed to do to this point. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Leah's put a comment here. I've seen, I've just ordered groceries through HelloFresh because I've found a shopping. Do you know, that is, yeah. Leah, 100% what I do most of the time now. If I'm doing food shopping, I'll order online. I find it so much easier. 100%. I'd never meal plan that. Yeah. <laughs> that takes too much. Take it too far. Take it too far. <laughs> I know. Okay. Anyway, we probably should finish up. Folks. We could talk all day, couldn't we? You and me. We could do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have got no one else. <laughs> That's right. The boss comes to say hello. Oh, thank you, Leah. It's lovely. Oh, it's lovely. So, yeah, do thank reach you. out if anyone wants some more info or wants yeah. to know where to start or, you know, just wants to. There's heaps of ADHD accounts on here as well that I've joined following yeah. and there's ADHD groups on Facebook but if you're thinking that maybe this is something that you know might be part of part of the piece for you then start jotting down and there's two websites Chad and Attitude and they're the two to get the information from because they're peak bodies they're the ones that have got kind of got the latest research and the official resources so if you're thinking that this might be something that's in the mix for you, check those out because, as well, it does present differently for women. Oh, thanks, Margaret. Oh, that's lovely. That's very nice. All right, my lovely. Well, you have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about this. I know it's a subject close to both of our hearts, and I know how we both get passionate about advocating for these kind of things when they come in our radar. So. Beautiful to have you here, yeah. my lovely Faye. And Thanks for inviting me. Take care and I'll see you soon. <laughs> to you. Bye, love Thank you. you everyone for tuning in as well. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Midlife AF with Emma Gilmore. If you enjoyed it, please share on Instagram for your friends and tag me at Hope Rising Coaching. If you want to help me grow the podcast, please review the episodes for me on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. If you would like to work further with me, please go to my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com for my free and paid programs or email me at emma at hoperisingcoaching.com. Sending a massive cuddle to you and yours from me and mine. And remember to keep choosing you. Just before you go, I'm running a three-day virtual retreat between the 24th and the 26th of October. It's called Change Your Relationship with Alcohol in Just Three Days Without Stopping Drinking. Honestly, you've got nothing to lose. It, here's what's included. It's daily live coaching from me, a private Facebook community to connect with others, some in-depth content and some work examining your beliefs around alcohol. There'll be a con accountability and daily reflections. All this for just seven bucks. Don't forget to sign up. The details are in the show notes or on my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com. See you there.